Welcome to the Culture Wise Podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace. Here, we aim to discuss topics relating to how followers of Jesus can more effectively reach Latter-day Saints in their relational networks. My name is Daniel Schuchert, and I'm joined today by Austin Glenn and Brent Van Sickle. Austin and Brent are both pastors at King's Cross Church in Farmington, Utah, and I wanted to hear from them today a little bit about their experience with the church planting, with ministry in Utah, with engaging with Latter-day Saints as their neighbors, and overall what their experience has been um, over the last five to ten years of ministry here. So, Austin, what can you share with me about this church plant um, t- tell me a little bit of the overall story of how King's Cross came to be. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, Utah was never on our radar. <laughs> it was never something that was, uh, my wife and I had thought about, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. My, my wife, Monica, she's uh, a missionary at heart. And, uh, when I first met her, uh, we were maybe two weeks into dating and I'd asked her like, Hey, uh, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? And, and she told me, well, probably somewhere in the 1040 window, <laughs> you know, like yeah. Yeah, as a missionary out there. And I was thinking like, there's no way this is going to work out. Like <laughs> I'm a, too big of a fan of like indoor plumbing and those types of things, you know, but, uh, we felt like the Lord was kind of drawn us together and, and we kind of followed that. Um, but I'd always felt like a sense of call towards uh, stateside, uh, church planning. And, and my prayer was always that the Lord would uh, put us in a difficult place, you know? And so, uh, we were serving, I was serving as an elder at a church plant in Colorado Springs. Uh, we sought theological training, um, in Texas and we went to school out there, uh, for seminary and got involved with a, a church called church at the cross, um, who, who was actually our sending church helped us to get King's cross planted. And, uh, I ended up doing a church planning residency, a pastoral residency there. And uh, during that time, we ended up on a mission trip to support another partner church in Utah. And so uh, it was really through that experience that the Lord broke my heart uh, for the area. You know, we we were kind of dead set on going to Denver. We're thinking, man, Denver has, uh, you know, three times the marijuana shops than they do churches. (laughs) Like, let's go and plant a church out there. They Mm -hmm. probably need it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But but yeah, we, we, we... I came out here. I just had this uh, uh, pretty, and I'm not going to get into all of it, but a pretty um, just eye-opening experience when I was visiting Temple Square and came back home and through just a season of prayer and fasting, the Lord had also uh, united Monica's heart with this mission yeah. of Utah. And so um, for us, it's been really cool because it's it's almost been this like unification of two visions where we get to church plant stateside in an unreached people group, you know, and, 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 uh, my wife's giftings just come alive in that. And, and, you know, I get to, I get to be a part of starting a new church. And so we came out here for about 18 months, um, as uh, support raised missionaries, uh, serving at a local church in Bountiful. And then, uh, April, 2022, we kind of spun off from there and started, uh, like a launch team for King's Cross. Uh, Brent and I, who he'll, he'll share his story, uh, we connected uh, probably about six months into us being here. We'd probably known each other for at least a year at that point and started having conversations on what it looked like for us to serve together. Um, but yeah, and then March 2023 was our first Sunday and we launched. And so we are a seven month old church, mm-hmm. you know, and our vision as a church is really just to create safe places to encounter Jesus. And so what we want to see is every environment that we inhabit, uh, you know, whether it's a, uh, a lunch table going out for lunch, making that a safe place to encounter Jesus or making our homes a safe place to encounter Jesus and on Sunday morning, making that a safe place to encounter Jesus. Where we're going to stick to the historic teachings of 
the historic church, and at the same time, folks are free to share doubts, questions, fears, concerns, and and hopefully we're going to help them encounter Jesus in all of that. Yeah, so uh, my wife, Jennifer, and I, we'd been in ministry in the St. Louis area just across the river in Illinois, and uh, I'd been a youth pastor there for about six years. And it was during the latter part of those years that uh, God just really kind of began stirring in our hearts of, hey, maybe you should consider going someplace where the gospel isn't as prevalent. And I remember driving, we had a Christian school in that ministry as well. And between the two different locations, we'd drive on Sunday mornings and we'd pass, you know, five, 10 other churches. And probably most of those people were actually hearing the gospel. So God kind of used some of that discontent and then using his word, of course, Romans chapter 10, um, verses 14 through 17, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're seen as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And that was a significant passage that God was really kind of using in my life. And then I also read a book by John Piper, um, Don't Waste Your Life. And even though I was in full-time ministry and even though I was working with teens and I loved a lot of what I was doing in a lot of ways, it was a very comfortable ministry. I felt like that message of that book was still kind of hitting me between the eyes. And I Mm -hmm. felt like, man, week after week, I'm kind of preaching to the choir. I know that's a colloquialism that you hear a lot, but... Uh, And there's people, especially out West and especially out in places like Utah, that is very churched, but wrongly churched where they're not hearing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So all that to say, um, God began using that message in our hearts. Uh, One of my college buddies, Phil, uh, God was kind of doing the same thing in his heart. So we decided to take a survey trip. This is probably back in 2011. Um, to go just kind of drive up and down the the Utah, you know, I-15 front to consider what it would look like to move our families and go start something. So um, there were a lot of different things that ended up leading us to Farmington, but ultimately it was the fact that there was no church in Farmington. And I grew up in a small town in Newton, Kansas, about 17,000 people, and there were probably 50 different churches, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of one on about every corner. And Farmington was about that size, although rapidly growing at that point. And zero churches where people could hear the historic teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation by faith alone. So God brought us out here along with my college buddy partner, and we kind of worked by vocational jobs um, in ultimately seeing a small church get off the ground called LifePoint Church. And uh, I was a co-pastor at that church up until, I guess, last fall. Um, Yeah. So that's a little bit of the story of how our family ended up getting out here about, we've been out here for 10 years now. And uh, when Austin got to the area, I guess a little bit more of that background, uh, he reached out to me. He was just reaching out to local pastors and trying to get a pulse for who was here and mm-hmm. what was going on. And we sat down at a lunch together. And, you know, when I heard that he was looking at Davis County, you know, right away, it was like, well, you know, we believe the same things. I think philosophy of ministry, I think we're we're finding out that there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. So at the very least, it was like, this is great. I mean, how can we, how can our churches 
partner together at the very least. And hey, let's be praying and let's just see. We have no idea. Maybe God has, you know, something for us even greater than that together. Um, so I think even early on those conversations, we'd pray for the area. We'd talk yeah. through what things would could be like. And ultimately that conversation ended up being, hey, I, I think it's, I think we'll be stronger together than we would be separately. Yeah. So that's how God brought the two of you together. God brought um, King's Cross to be. What What are some of the things, Brent, um, what are some of the ways that you've seen Farmington change over the, the 10 years that you've been in this area? Yeah. So uh, one of the just tangible things that's easy to see is just the, the growth in the city. I remember when we were first doing demographic surveys, Station Park was still kind of under construction. That's kind of the large outdoor shopping area that has really changed the feel of Farmington. Yeah. It went from a very sleepy, like commuter town located in between Ogden and Salt Lake, uh, where people would just sleep and drive into one of the cities for work. And then you had Lagoon, the amusement park, kind of uh-huh. a weird little twist uh-huh. that's always been there. But otherwise, people weren't coming into the city. They were leaving Farmington. And now it's doubled in population where I think it's up in the upper 20s, uh, whereas back in the early 2000s, it would have been about 12,000 people. So it's doubled. You're not finding hardly any acreage of just the little farmlands right. or anything. You know, right. that's all being built built around. So that's probably the most obvious thing is just visually, like it's it's really grown up. It's changed. It's almost doubled in size in 20 years. Uh, people are actually coming into Farmington for shopping and recreation and things of that sort. And there's more diversity. Um, it's a very, very strong LDS, you know, stronghold still. But I feel like the, the grip is loosening little by little. Um, and I think especially the younger generation as years and years goes by and as people hear when they research things on the internet, I think things are, are changing slowly and they're with the younger generation. I think there is definitely uh, more questions mm-hmm. that aren't being answered within the LDS church. Mm-hmm. And, and how have attitudes toward you and Christians and, and other non-Mormons been um, how, how have those attitudes changed since you've lived there? I've always just kind of felt like a, people don't know how to characterize us. Uh-huh. Like we're a bit of a novelty. They don't even really know what category to place that in. Yeah. Uh, what I've always kind of perceived is when I say, hey, I'm a pastor, moved into the area to start a, a non-LDS church, a historic Christian church. People are always, they get a puzzled look on their face and then they're like, oh, and then you know, I think for most people, they're, they're curious. They don't know what to do with that. They don't necessarily want to continue that conversation hmm. for one. Yeah. But I think in their mind, they're kind of processing that as, oh, okay, well, I guess people that aren't LDS, they need some sort of church too. They yeah. need a little Jesus. So I guess that's a good thing. And I think for the most part, people are probably happy that we're here, but they don't really see it as something that's for them and they still yeah. don't know what to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. And Brent, tell me... How have you helped other Christians learn how to witness of Jesus? I know your specific role at um, King's Cross Church is really in in spiritual development with people. So how have you helped people understand how to witness of Jesus? I think think one of the ways um, is just for people to be aware, especially people that are Christians already that have found themselves in, in Utah, they find a very different culture. And a lot of times they're not really prepared for what they're about to encounter. Um, so 
having the mindset of, hey, God has brought you here through work or whatever reason to an area that is, it is an unreached people group. So maybe changing the mentality a little bit and then really just, you know, trying to develop the mindset of, you know, let's be hospitable. Let's live out our faith day in and day out. Let's have neighbors over for meals. Uh-huh. Um, use your hobbies like pickleball is one of mine. You know, use whatever area and sphere of influence that God's put you in to be able to get to know your neighbors, love them, look for opportunities to ask questions, things things of that sort. But probably just to make get people to be a little more aware that, hey, the difference that you're feeling in Utah is because you live in the midst of an unreached people group that uses the same the same words with a completely different dictionary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things we talk a lot about at King's Cross is this idea of gospel fluency. And uh, yeah. we kind of stole the name from Jeff Vanderstelt. He wrote a book on it, um, and it's a, it's good. Uh, but it's like the idea that you, you know you're a gospel-fluent person, um, or you know you're a fluent person in another language. Like if I'm studying Spanish and I start to think and dream in Spanish, I'm probably becoming fluent in Spanish. And the same thing is true for the gospel. When you can think the gospel, when you can dream the gospel, you're starting to become fluent in the gospel. And so we, we really want our folks to be uh, so saturated in the gospel that um, when they're encountering a friend or a neighbor and they're being exposed to a pain point in that neighbor's life, the answer isn't like, hey, let me send you this podcast or this TED talk to kind of meet you in that. But it's like, how does the gospel apply to this situation? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and being able to have like authentic conversations. Um, and because and I know that there are a lot of methods, right, for gospel presentations, and I'm a fan of them, like the three circles or, you know, the a 15 second elevator pitch kind of gospel presentation or the two, the two roads, like all, all of these different, uh, two kingdoms, you know, all those different presentations are great and super helpful. But, uh, I don't think, I think if you're, uh, not a gospel fluent person, even recognizing the opportunity to start to have one of those conversations mm-hmm. isn't going to happen. Right. And so we want folks to just be super saturated in the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super helpful. And so tell me um, a little bit about your neighborhood. How have you interacted with with neighbors? Have you been able to develop some good relationships that lead into some of those gospel conversations? Yeah, yeah. I think the Lord's been really gracious to us and opened a lot of doors for relationship. Um, I think first and foremost, it's just worth saying that, uh, you know, we didn't necessarily like move into our neighborhood uh, with like targets on our neighbor's back. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we prayed that the Lord would... Uh, cultivate some genuine, authentic, like loving relationships with our neighbors. And uh, we've experienced that, you know, uh, I I know a lot of folks, depending on which neighborhood you move into and which ward, you know, you kind of find yourself falling into. um, That's not always the case. Uh, Our neighbors are incredible and we, and we love them dearly. And, uh, and so, yeah, that we've, we've been really gifted, which is a great place to live. Um, but yeah, so when we moved in, our hope was to really get to know the neighbors, right? And so we started, uh, we moved in in May, I think in June, we had a big block party, mm-hmm. rented out some bounce houses, um, got to, you know, had a, had a bunch of folks grill up some hot dogs. And I think there were probably uh, at least 50 or 60 folks at this block party that we did. And and uh, we that really kind of almost catalyzed like relationship for us. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of folks got to know us during that time and we got to know a lot of folks and, and we really just kind of built off of that. And so I got connected with some, some friends now that I, that I dearly love and they were going hiking like every other Saturday. And so I jumped in on their hiking rotation and, yeah. you know, we're spending two to eight hours up on a mountain, just kind of hanging out. And, you know, my wife, um, 
she she's also just a person she she really loves the neighbors and she like she she wants to love them and serve them well and so you know when it's it doesn't matter what the holiday is it could be St. Patrick's Day or Valentine's Day or whatever she's making 30 plates of cookies and she's going with the kiddos and she's knocking on doors and dropping them off which is great about ministry in Utah right because we were thinking about Denver and uh, if you were to bring a plate of cookies over to Denver, people are going to be like, first of all, are these like special cookies? Like, are these okay to eat? Like, <laughs> right. like, did you wear gloves? Is there COVID? I can't trust these, you know. But in Utah, it's just like the culture is such a, a community-oriented culture that you bring a plate of cookies over and it becomes a conversation, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I think I think the Lord's been really gracious to us in that sense where we've been able to cultivate a lot of really meaningful relationships with people in our neighborhood. You mm-hmm. know, one, 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 one guy in that process is actually... Uh, left his faith uh, in, you know, in, uh, his Latter-day Saint faith. And he's figuring out what that looks like. And, you know, his wife is in a discipleship group with my wife right now, just studying scripture and saying, I want to know uh, what the Bible actually says. I want to know who Jesus is, you know? And mm-hmm. so, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I've, I feel like it's been a really fruitful. So when you had moved to Utah, uh, what, what stood out to you about the culture here, the culture of um, Latter-day Saint belief, uh, what are maybe some things that surprised you? Um, I feel like uh, when I came out, I was pretty well versed. I'd read some Ross's books. I've read I read a bunch of stuff coming out here, thinking like, okay, I want to really get to know it. Um, and so I don't know if there was anything that was too surprising per se. Mm-hmm. There was a a lot that I kind of like expected and kind of walked into. But I will say, I think one of the things that I found most surprising, and I think it was kind of the missing piece uh, from my own just puzzle of putting putting the place together. Nine uh, eleven, I think it was nine eleven twenty twenty one. You know, the church, the Mormon church, had kind of organized um, this national day of service. Um, you probably, if you live here, you probably saw signs for it and stuff like through Just Serve, and it's kind of branded as like a non-religious thing where the community comes together. And uh, I was invited to be on um, this council, and we were meeting in City Hall talking about how we can serve the community well. And uh, it, it had dawned on me that. You know, we were going around the room introducing ourselves and, you know, you, you kind of see folks who are just your normal every day. Maybe this guy's a mailman or maybe this guy, you know, works in an office place and maybe she stays at home. But in this room, he's a bishop and she's a Relief Society president. And there's a lot of purpose and meaning uh, that was kind of embedded in that. Mm-hmm. And so it... it for me, that was something that I wasn't prepared for. I'd known intellectually how, uh, you know, the culture of their faith has kind of permeated every aspect of their life. But it, it was almost this linchpin of like, when somebody's walking away from that, they're not only walking away from their friends, they're not only walking away from their families, they're not only walking away from the life that they've always been a part of, but now it's who am I? I'm no longer the Relief Society president. I'm no longer the bishop or in, you know, the primary care, you know, whatever. And so, and so that was really helpful for me and really showing, uh, it, it kind of framed my thinking and um, how do we help people find purpose in the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in the greatest purpose of being united with God in relationship and partnership and how there isn't anything that supersedes that, you know, um, and, and using that as a, almost like a conversation starter, uh, kind of not, maybe not a starter per se, but, uh, you know, try to bring conversations to that because I think if people can find that purpose in the gospel, uh, it, it makes, um, the thought of, 
um, no longer being a part of a way of life that they've always been a part of a little more um, realistic is something that they mm-hmm. can kind of latch on to. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were mentioning just a minute ago about that one individual who has, has recently left the LDS church. Um, have you been able to walk through some of that journey with him of, of what you're describing and the difficulty of having having a place in the world and an understanding of what's my role in the community and the church and, and now all of that kind of being swept away. How, how have you been able to serve him in that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think just trying to be a friend, you know, I don't really push anything too hard uh, on him. I'm, I, I really just want to process with him, you know? And so we get together, uh, we were on a pretty good monthly rhythm. Uh, the summer got a little busy and, and he got a new job. And so, um, you know, but, but yeah, we still try to get together around once a month. And really the question is, what are you listening to? Hmm. Right? Like which podcasts are you listening to? What are you reading? And like, let's process through that. We got together like three weeks ago and uh, he was talking about how he had been listening to a new Testament scholar. Um, and just to put this out there too, I think his, where he is now is, uh, uh, somewhere between that atheist agnostic, you yeah. know, where he's almost like I, I, I'm. I'll maybe concede to the concept of a deity, maybe, yeah. but I'm not quite sure if I'm there yet, you know. Um, but he was listening to this New Testament scholar, and and uh, the the gentleman had talked about how you know Paul was writing to a specific people, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Man, I never, I never realized that. Yeah, you know, like I thought that Paul was writing to the church, the Latter Day Saint Church of today, uh, like Joseph Smith's church, and like just the concept that Paul was writing to a specific people in a specific time in a specific place, and how from that we can extract timeless theological truth. But like the cultural context was really, you know, and so all of that was just like my blowing for him in that moment. So we just spent all of lunch processing through that. Right. And like, what does that mean? Like, yeah, that is what Paul was doing, you know? And so a lot of our conversations are that way. And, you know, he's reading authors that, uh, I wouldn't necessarily point somebody towards, uh, you know, in the new Testament scholarly realm. And, uh, I think a big part of the LDS tradition is almost like banned books and like, don't read this, uh-huh, this is anti-Mormon, right. you know? And so I just try to be careful. Like, even though I'm saying, I don't know if you can really trust his scholarship in my mind. I'm not going to, I'm saying, Hey man, read it, you know, and then maybe balance out with this one and I'll give him a book, you know? Yeah. And so that's, that's what a lot of that process has looked like. It's just kind of processing with him for him. The big breakdown was, um, reconciling science and faith and some of the faiths, mm-hmm. uh, some of the way that the Mormon church is kind of, uh, prescribed interpreting certain books of the Bible. And we've had mm-hmm. conversations around that, that allowed him to say, Oh, you know what? Maybe I can keep the idea of theism at least, or I can keep the idea of God. Um, because it isn't necessarily incompatible with what seems to be the truth that we've observed in science, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of a, a thread that he started unraveling that led to all these other things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really thoughtful consideration. I think there's there's an individual that my wife and I have been trying to walk with through the journey of leaving Mormonism and beginning to follow Jesus. And she too is finding some of the strangest resources that I wouldn't necessarily recommend. <laughs> yeah. She's she's exploring thoughts and ideas that I, I kind of want to say, just stop. Like, right. just don't even ask that question. Yeah. Because like you could spend your time so much better studying the Bible or doing this. Ultimately, this is going to get you off trail, anyways. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's it's been a discipline for me and my wife to to not say that and instead say, you know what? Actually, I'd rather you learn the process of discerning, learn the process of asking questions and not being afraid to ask the questions, but entrusting the questions to the Lord and see what can he show me through this. So it, it, to my mind, it's a, it's a rabbit trail. It's going off way sideways, but I think God has a purpose in it. And so rather than hyper controlling her journey, just allowing God to control it, even though it might take some weird turns that 
I wouldn't take. Right. And being there yeah. with it, right? Yeah. To say, hey, let's process through that. Like, what did you talk? Like, how does that line up? Does that seem to make sense or not? You know, and, and kind of thinking through it with the people that you love. You know? Yeah. And it brings us into some territory that I'm not too familiar with, honestly. <laughs> so there, there's some concern there, really, in, in my heart. I'm like, oh, wait, should I let this? No, I should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either of you can share stories, but I'd love to hear just one or two stories from uh, King's Cross Church of, of people that have encountered Jesus and um, grown in Jesus through the ministry at King's Cross. Man, I think one of the interesting things uh, with King's Cross has been, and this was one of the benefits, I think, to, to the church that I was pastoring, co-pastoring and then pastoring for a while, that never really hit... Um, a lot of momentum, you know, it was just uh-huh. a smaller church. There were five families and, and we never really had a whole lot of folks that would visit the church. But I think just one of the cool things within King's Cross has been, you know, every week we're having people that are finding us from seeing one of our little yard signs posted in random places throughout Davis County, or they're looking us up on the internet and they're coming and and some of these folks, uh, they would readily admit that they're coming from a deconstructing, you know, LDS background. But mm, we've got a number yeah. of folks that we say are kind of spinning around the orbit of King's Cross Church. And for whatever reason, they a lot of them keep coming back. And they're not believers in Jesus. They, they're not putting all the pieces together. Their eyes haven't been opened ultimately to the truth of who Jesus is and, and how they should respond to him. But the exciting thing for me has been just, I can think of five to 10 different people that for whatever reason, they just keep coming back and they keep sitting under the teaching of God's word and they're hearing the gospel week after week. And, you know, I'll let Austin share some others, but we've seen at least one of those people People maybe now two of those people come to Christ and then they're yeah anyway that's been the exciting thing for me especially in living out here and just not seeing a lot of traction not seeing a lot of fruit for the years invested and now you know God's just bringing folks into our church assembly that are interacting with our folks and they're hearing things that they shouldn't like in a lot of ways yeah and yet uh, they keep coming back and. God's just doing that. Yeah, that's good. It's all in God's timing. So it's cool to see that he's chosen this time for some of these people, for some of these stories. Yeah, I think one of the stories that I feel like is most, there are kind of two that come to mind that are really encouraging for me. And uh, I think they're both uh, testaments to just ministry in Utah, right? Like one story, uh, and, and, and I think just, you know, proper hedging, right? Anytime somebody comes to know uh, Jesus, it's a complete work of God, yeah, right? We, yeah. we we are used by him. We partner with him in that work, but he's the one doing it, you know? But there's one story that just completely illustrates that reality. And then there's another story that really illustrates like the reality of partnering with God in the work uh-huh. that he's doing, right? And so we had uh, this one guy, uh, he, he attended the church for the first time in probably like three months ago, four months ago. Um and uh, he walks in. Well, first he'd fill out a, a request form online, just letting us know he was interested. Brent had a conversation with him over the phone, and he ends up coming in and and uh, he says, "Hey, I'm I'm uh, I just want to let you know uh, I'm a pretty committed atheist. I'm a pretty convinced atheist. Um, yeah, I've been exploring faith and Christianity for a while. Uh, I've recently become more curious because another friend of mine who is a committed atheist has become a Christian, and so now I'm like really." getting more interested, but I'm, and he's a super sweet man, you know, super sweet guy. Um, but he's like, is it okay if I'm here? He's like, I've basically listened to every single sermon that you guys have online. Really? Yeah. And I'm, I'm interested to learn more about this. And I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, please come. And I asked him, so how did you hear about the church? This is why 
wildest thing. There was a church in Texas uh, who I didn't even know that they knew we existed. Oh, <laughs> uh, interesting. Yeah. They're not our church. Yeah. They're not our sending church. They're there. We, I, we had no, like, I know of the church. I've met the pastor before. I didn't know that. And apparently he had contacted our sending church and asked, you know, Hey, how can we be praying for you? And our sending church said, Hey, we just launched this church. Can oh, you pray for cool. them? So he's praying for King's cross and their gathering. Well, this is the same church that our guy's friend attends the guy who just became a Christian. And so he texts his friend out in Utah and says, Hey man, uh, I know that we were both like atheists. Uh, I've, I've become a follower of Jesus, you know? Uh, and we just prayed for a church that's like 20 minutes from your house. You should check him out. <laughs> and so this guy goes and listens to all that and he shows up, you know? And, uh, and yeah, and so he comes and I ask him if he wants to get together and just process through what he's thinking about. And and really, I feel like that's what a lot of the ministry is like, like instead of, you know, because I, the background that I've come from a lot of times is like discipleship looks like, here's the curriculum, uh, walk people through it, you know, and what I've found is like, let's get people in front of open Bibles and just process, especially if they're not coming from any kind of a faith background. And so we were reading through John and, uh, and we'd get together every couple weeks and just talk through, Hey, what are you reading? What are your questions? What are your concerns? And, uh, in the middle of the conversation, God just kind of put this final puzzle piece together and, and, uh, I'm rambling about something and he goes, I'm a believer. Like I, I'm a Christian. He's That's like, so nuts. he's like, it just, it just all made sense for me in this moment. And I'm yeah. just like, oh my gosh, you know? And so it was like, we have this guy who in Texas, who's praying for King's cross, who sends his friend, uh, you know, information about the church who happens to randomly show up. And then the Lord just does all this work. And so it was a super encouraging story. But then we also had another uh, example of a woman, uh, who's from Utah, raised as a Latter-day Saint, um, uh, she went through her own kind of path of deconstruction and was in like this spiritual sojourning place. Um, we, before we launched, we had a mission team, uh, come out we did a fall festival in fruit Heights just to love on the community. And, and yeah. she happened to attend that, uh, and we didn't really get connected. Um, she, she made some relationships with some folks in, uh, in Texas who had come out and helped us. Um, but other than that, we hadn't really seen her. She filled out a form and honestly, it was actually kind of confirming. I, I, I have it here when we were starting to talk about this, I thought about this story. Um, but we had this thing on the website when we were in the pre-launch stages of like, Hey, let us know if you, if you want to be a part or whatever. And so she fills out this form and she says, I'd, I'd, I'd love to learn more about how to get connected to community, learn more about King's Cross Church, learn more about relationship with Jesus. She says, I want a safe place for me and my kids to learn about Jesus and his love. Um, she talked about some of the pressures that her eight-year-old was feeling um, and how she has this kind of hardened heart towards faith and spirituality. Mm -hmm. And she says, what I really want to do is I want to feel safe in pursuit of Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, and, and she kind of has this long thing uh, that she'd written about that. And really that kind of shaped a lot of the vision, right? We came out with like church in the head saying, oh, we want our vision to be to see God's kingdom come in us and in Davis County. And it's like this really cool churchy Lord's Prayer, you know, kind of vision statement. But the reality is what folks need is a, is a safe environment where they can encounter Jesus. And so this woman ended up attending our a Good Friday gathering. We connected with her and just really intentionally engaged relationally, um, had her over to our home multiple times, um, processed with her really tough questions um, that were really kind of prohibiting for for her belief. And, and over the course of a year of like just faithfully walking alongside of her through ups hmm. and downs, uh, she ended up putting her faith in Jesus too and was recently baptized. And, uh, and, and so it's funny because one of those folks, uh, you know, uh, the gentleman that we mentioned first, he's just like on this like 
like sprinting, like just consuming the word. And, 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 you know, this other woman where it's a, it's a slower process of really unraveling some of the things that she's thought about and kind of meeting her with the gospel in it. Um, but, but yeah, so I guess long answers to the questions that you were asking about some of the things that we've been encouraged by, I think it's been both of those, you know, like, and and I think those are like microcosms of what we've seen on a larger scale of just the God's grace, you know, um, bringing folks, us doing everything that we can to be intentional in the community. And then, uh, you know, for the Lord to, to kind of unite those efforts with his grace and, and bring people along the ways, and then to just kind of walk with folks through that process and to be there, you know, when the light bulb clicks, you know? Yeah. It's been a lot of it. I'll add one one little bit, and it's more of the slow burn variety, but even within, you know, parenting our own kids, yeah. you know, King's Cross happens to be, we've got a lot of folks that are coming out that have younger families and our families included. Austin's got four kids with another one on the way. I've got three kids and uh, one of the coolest services and, you know, as dads, as pastors, uh, we got to baptize uh, a daughter for each of us, yeah. you know, in one of our first months of King's Cross. And, you know, that just kind of speaks to the slow burn of like raising your kids and modeling for them and introducing them to Jesus and, and teaching the gospel, you know, day after day. But God just has done some really cool things. And, you know, as you're baptizing your own daughter you know, the floodworks are just flowing and, but it's one of the most memorable services that I've ever been a part yeah. of. Yeah. And it, again, it just kind of goes back to, Hey, you know, God is faithful. Um, and let's just try to partner with him in our brokenness and in our weakness. And let's just try to keep persevering and, and just try to be faithful over the long haul. Mm-hmm. Just a quick kind of plug too. If you have any listeners who are like, man, I'd love to plan a church and I just don't know how that's going to affect my kids. We're not going to have the good kids program or that kind of stuff. I feel like there really is a special grace that the Lord uh, kind of lavishes on church plants where kids get to see themselves uh, as a part of the body of Christ and uh-huh. a part of the bride of Christ in a unique way um, that doesn't always have, and that's not to say anything against more established churches. We came from established church that we deeply love and rooted our kids in the gospel. But it was going through this church planning process that I feel like at least my own kids, uh, They've really they, they they look forward to setup days. They look forward to band rehearsal nights yeah. when because for us it's the, the whole family's over there. We're all setting up and they're laying out and and for them they actually see themselves as a part of the church right. in a very yeah. unique way, you know. And so so if you have any listeners out there who are thinking, man, I don't know what that's going to do my kids, do it. <laughs> you know, God has a special grace to meet you in that. Yeah, that is a really good encouragement. I, mean, I know that's a, a huge concern for a lot of families, especially in a. In a, a place like Utah where the gospel is not very prevalent and there are not many well-established churches. Are there are there any things that you'd like to share before we close out? I'll, I'll maybe just share one other thing because I think uh, – so you asked the question, you know, did anything catch you off guard? Probably the thing – and like Austin, you know, preparing for the context, we're reading books – you know, about Mormonism, how to converse, you know, books like I Love Mormon, I Love Mormons, mm-hmm. Unveiling Grace, you know, some of these books where you're finding out about their theology and what it's like to live amongst them. Probably the thing that has caught me the most off guard, though, is, and I, I refer to it almost as the shelf life of people that are a part of your church that already uh-huh. come from a Christian background. That's been the one thing that's been kind of surprising to me mm-hmm. is I find that people end up out here for two, three years, and it's uncomfortable. It's a little weird. They don't know necessarily. They didn't know, 
you know, all that kind of background of what it was going to be like to live in the midst of the LDS population. And for a lot of them, it's kind of uncomfortable. And as soon as they get a job opportunity back amongst family or whatever, yeah, man, yeah. they're, they're booking it to get back. And you know, that it hurts when you see your friends and people that you've discipled and people that you've invested with and are living life with and that are your family out here to leave. Uh, but also I think the thing that's kind of helped is really to develop a, not a, Oh, woe is me. Shoot. This key family is moving back to be, you know, better job back home or whatever, but almost more of a mindset of, man, we got a chance to invest in this family and disciple this family for the last two to three years. So now rather than just throw ourselves a pity party, let's actually like celebrate and send them out, you know, somewhat intentionally to go be missionaries back wherever God's called them back to. But that caught me off guard. I didn't realize that you'd have such a short window with some of these people that you end up living life with and that become such great friends and it's not all together happy all the time, but God has a purpose and a plan on all that too. Yeah, that's a good point. We can just trust the Lord and his shuffling and his timing with people, but it, I, I understand it can be hard. We've had a few, few close friends move away. I get it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know I'm, I'm really grateful for you guys participating in, um, in the gospel work in Farmington specifically, it's, it is a location within Utah uh, along the Wasatch Front where there has been very little gospel work. And so I'm grateful for your presence there, your commitment to the people and the impact that that's having. And thank you for joining today also. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Again, this is the Culture Wise podcast where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace.